1: 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash cash. The Volume. The Three and Out podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to bet every moment more than with FanDuel. With football ending, we have the NBA rolling, March Madness right around the corner, and my personal favorite, betting on the PGA Tour. I cannot recommend it enough. You get winnings fast, and winnings are also delivered in under two hours. It's a fun to combine multiple bets from the same game parlay. No big deal. NBA, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson. That would be what I would do. If you are new, just download the FanDuel app. To get started now, sign up with promo code Colin, so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecock, 3 and Out podcast on a Monday, President's Day. Hopefully everyone's doing good. You're probably listening to this on Tuesday. Felt a little weird not doing one on Sunday, but there wasn't any football. There was no football, and I gotta be honest, it threw me off. I didn't like the way it made me felt. Uh, I I thought I felt hollow. I felt like I was missing something in my life. It's because I was. Because basically for six straight months, every single Sunday, something football related, I'm doing a podcast and there's no football. So I took the day off and it felt kind of good to just, uh, even though I ended up not really doing anything because there wasn't anything to do. I just watched TV. I binged, uh, binge would be strong. Watch some different shows. Nothing really great. I need something. If you have anything good to watch, any good shows on any of these streaming services, I only have 75 of them, uh, hit me up in my DMs. Like, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram, because we do the Middlecoff mailbag, but I need something to watch. I mean, this is is the off-season. I obviously watch a lot of golf. We'll have a big Go Low pod coming up uh, for Wednesday. Because a lot going on. There's a lot of breaking news in golf. That, that, that kept me entertained this weekend. But I miss football. I, I really do. Um, we'll hit up the... Brian Flores is back. The Went story just will not die. Some combine stuff. Roger Goodell going to resign. Some thoughts there. And, and something... I, I saw a headline today. Joe Judge is going to coach the quarterbacks for Belichick. Something hit me today with Bill Belichick that I... Uh, I'm going to red flag a little bit. And... Uh, so, I and mean, then, yeah, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Hopefully, everyone had a good weekend, long weekend. I think we've got a couple long weekends now coming up. Free agency isn't that far away. We're going to have a lot of quarterback movement, something we're going to talk a lot about these next couple weeks. Once we get to the combine, uh, really, this combine, is it, it, every single combine is the same, operates is when business starts. People have been doing draft meetings. People have been doing free agency meetings. You go to the combine, you meet with the agents, and you talk deals. You talk deals with your own players, you talk deal with other teams' players, you negotiate deals, players will be on the move. Can't wait. <clears throat> Can't freaking wait. So let's uh, let's dive into the show. Okay, um, Friday, I think it was Saturday morning. You know, the weekend runs together a little bit. And, you know, I hope many of you did. Had a few pops, had a good time, played a little golf, hung out with some friends, I uh, enjoyed the weekend, enjoyed the first truly football-less weekend. And I remember opening my phone. I got up early on Saturday. You know, I'm, as you age, you you can you can get after it and still wake up at about 6.30. stayed at my mom's house. I went to go uh, pick up some bagels on Saturday morning. Uh, not for her. She was asleep, just for myself. Just had a bagel in my car, listened to a podcast downtown at like 6.45 in the morning of downtown Davis, California, uh, and had a Starbucks coffee. It was actually very nice. Nice day outside. And I open up my phone. I think I ended up getting home. And I look. And Brian Flores has been hired. Maybe it actually happened. I, I went to the gym. Oh, no big deal. Went out. If you're going to run with the big dogs, you can't be with the puppies. And I, I, I'm sitting in the driveway and I get a bunch of texts. And then I look at my phone. Brian Flores had been hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin, the Rooney's, hired Brian Flores in a capacity, you know, an official capacity. He's a senior defensive assistant. Sometimes some of these titles, unless the coach comes out and explains, it's hard to know exactly, slash linebackers. So I think he's going to coach linebackers, right? Now he's coached DBs. He's coached linebackers. He's done a lot of things in his career because if you work coming up for Bill Belichick, you end up doing a little bit of everything. But clearly he's a defensive guy, defensive, you know, uh, he's been a defensive coordinator. He can coach linebackers. And he can coach DBs. And it's obviously a polarizing headline because of the lawsuit in that involves him, which is from him, that happened several weeks ago, right? So when he was hired, if it was normal, a guy like him fired and then is hired, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. But because of the lawsuit, it clearly makes it a big headline. And my first take was kind of a win-win. And I think most people in business will tell you, Whenever you do a deal, and anyone who's done a deal, ideally it's a win for both sides. When you are always the guy on one side of the deal, someone's getting screwed, it's usually not going to go that well. Now, with coaching, unlike a trade or, you know, a business acquisition, it's a little bit different. Part of why you get you you take a job like this cuz I would argue, listen, I thought he could have been a head coach, most of us did when he was fired by Miami. Even though I said I understood why Miami would fire him. You would never in a million years would be able to look past winning those last couple games in 2019 given the two quarterbacks it produced that we missed out on. One, Joe Burrow, which we tanked all season for, and then we picked Tua over Herbert. Now, only internally those guys truly know. I've heard stories that Flores wanted Herbert. I've heard that's not true. I don't know what to believe. I don't know the guy. But I do know that Flores is a fantastic defensive coach. But here was a simple reality. That regardless of the lawsuit, that every single person I know in the NFL, assistant coaches and personnel people, all told me the exact same thing. Same thing, And this has been widely reported. He did not treat people well in Miami. His reputation in Miami as a person, like all the Belichick guys, they're not very good with people. The difference with Flores, which I always said, he could coach. Joe Judge... Couldn't coach, (laughs) right? Matt Patricia sucked. Mangini, I mean, I, I don't know what the hell was going on there. Definitely wasn't the man genius. Josh McDaniels, they ran out of Denver in a year and a half. Couldn't coach. Brian Flores can coach defense. So the Steelers, who really care about defense and organizationally, they aren't just one of the highest level organizations in pro sports. They're one of the model businesses in America. Led by just one of the coolest cats, also in America, Mike Tomlin, because someone sent me a text. Like, do you think he's like you know trying to prove something or get a win? My personal take is Mike Tomlin's trying to get back to the playoffs and make runs. I know they made the playoffs this year, but it was a little lucky. He's trying to be better than what they've been. And Brian Flores is a really good coach on the open market. And the Rooney family is not necessarily worried about like what the NFL thinks about them. Because did they have to go through the NFL with the lawsuit? <clears throat> I don't know. I, I Really, I don't quite understand the lawsuit. He also put the Houston Texans on there. Like, how are the Houston Texans involved? They heard Lovey Smith. What, what does that have to do with you? Just because you knew Casario? So, but I, I'm not a legal analyst. I can just speak on from a football perspective. Brian Flores, at minimum, should be a defensive coordinator in this league. Now, clearly the lawsuit played a part in that. So the Steelers, they didn't have a defensive coordinator opening... They they were aggressive, and they were smart to hire him. I also think it's a very, very smart move for Brian, Brian Flores to take and accept this job. Because let's face it, he doesn't have to. Now, we'll see with the lawsuit. Is Stephen Ross going to pay him? I don't know. So maybe the money is not going to keep coming in. He's going to have to fight in court. It's going to be a pain in the ass. But here's the thing. His reputation in Miami wasn't very good. Because all these Belichick guys know is Bill Belichick. And what did Patricia and Joe Judge do? They went running back to Bill Belichick. What did ultimately Josh McDaniels do? Went running back to Bill Belichick. I give Brian Flores a lot of credit for going somewhere else. Now, you could argue, would Bill Belichick have been an option? Probably not. He put his text message. It was like the opening thing in the lawsuit was that Bill texted him about Brian Dayball, and it turns out that he was texting the wrong Brian. So that relationship, based on Bill's history, when you cross him, is probably over so he didn't have a the option to go back wasn't there. But if if he was asking me, <clears throat> should I go back to the Patriots or should I go somewhere else? The first thing I'd tell him, go somewhere else. And could there better be a be a better place to go than the Pittsburgh Steelers? A place whose coach is known for knowing how to get along with people, having great relationships with players, operating while it being somewhat old school when you think the Pittsburgh Steelers They don't feel as miserable and as negative as the New England Patriots. And I'm not even trying to take a shot at the New England Patriots. They do it well because, check out their history. But that's because Bill knows how to do it. All these other guys do not. So Brian Flores now gets to learn under Mike Tomlin, who is also a defensive guy, and gets to see from a different organization, like you don't have to be uh, a dick to everybody. You don't have to treat people like this. You can treat people well and still succeed. Ask Andy Reid, ask Pete Carroll, ask Sean McVay. It's not everyone has to be walking on eggshells 24-7, 365. So I can't speak to the lawsuit. You know, if he's going to go through with that, hell, it could get thrown out in court. I'm no you know, lawyer. I've watched enough CSI uh, shows to think, unless he has actual hard evidence, which he claims he does on the Stephen Ross thing, though that has nothing to do with race. That just has to do with getting paid to tank, which let's face it, was the right move. Was the right move? I don't. I defended him for turning that down. He was making six, seven million dollars a year. Hundred thousand ain't getting it done. But tanking was the right move, especially to get the Joe Burrow. Look what he did to the Bengals. Super Bowl, no big deal. They didn't win it, but they got there, and they actually had a lead with whatever five minutes left in the game. Uh, this could help just get his career. Like I, I don't think it's inconceivable that he's a head coach in two years. You go to you go to Mike Tomlin. Your defense is good. He gets the defensive coordinator job in a year. Boom. He's off and running and he he comes back kind of like Josh McDaniels. I'm a changed guy. I don't treat people like I used to because that is the number one knock with the Belichick guys. They just struggle with interacting with other humans in a somewhat normal way. They can't do it. Somehow Bill has figured out a way to, to do that. These guys have not. College basketball is heating up and FanDuel Sportsbook has you covered with an offer you don't want to miss. Right now, new customers can place their first college basketball bet risk-free. And if you don't win, you'll get up to $1,000 back. Bet college basketball any way you like. Take a chance with the same-game parlay, jump into the action with live betting, or bet big promotions like Oddboost. This app is so easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great odds. Awesome promotions for new existing users. And here's the key. If you win, you can get your money in under two hours. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today and sign up with promo code Colin to get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's promo code Colin. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533-42-ARIZONA. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for con- confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee visit www.1800gambler.net. West Virginia terms and conditions apply ebay motors is here for the ride you know what i remember about my first car is at the moment i got it i wanted to improve it because like most 16 year old kids you don't exactly get a luxury automobile so you look at it you go well i need to add some speakers i need to tint out the windows i need to make this thing the coolest car possible so i can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoying myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12 inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights roof racks bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
2: TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: Another story that just will not die is the Indianapolis Colts that they are going to cut Carson Wentz. And I I thought a lot about this this weekend. Like, what is this? It's not out of nowhere because ultimately they lost to the Jacksonville Jags week 18. All they had to do is win that game and make it to the playoffs. No, they haven't beat the Jags in Jacksonville since 2014. So it's somewhat of, uh, it isn't just random. Like, they always lose to them. Hell, they remember last year they lost to him, Phillip Rivers' first game? But I started to theorize, like, who, why is this out there? And I think we talked about in the last podcast. The two stories about the two quarterbacks. My theory, both coming from the owner. Kyler Murray, the Cardinals... Funneled all that information to Chris Mortensen. I think that's coming from the owner. Chris Mortensen's take on how the Colts could cut or trade Carson Wentz. I think that's all coming from Jim Irsay. But then I thought, why? Now, part of it, I think Jim's really mad. There was a story that after they lost to the Jacksonville Jags, you know, they pl- they kicked off at one o'clock, so the game ends at five. By the time they're getting back to Indy, it was like probably eleven or midnight. That the story was that he grabbed Chris Ballard and Frank Wright and he told him to come into his office and he screamed at them for a long time. It's like, Arr! It's like Jim, oh you're all mad. Like, just be happy you own an NFL team and fucking smile and go play your music. Like, shut up, bro. What's dude, some of these owners, man? Jim, you just what you screaming at him for what? <laughs> you know, like coach better. Coach better. What does that even mean? Sometimes these owners makes me shake my head. But, like, who knows? If I was in that position, I probably would have been mad too. And then I would realize like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go home in my huge house and just relax. But clearly this guy who's on edge feels like, you know, he's huge substances. And he, I mean, he got pulled over a couple of years ago with with a ton of pills and like 30 grand cash. It's like, bro, are, are we a drug dealer? Or are we an NFL owner? Remember how that story just kind of went away? I think this is because the Indianapolis Colts want him to take a pay cut. And I don't totally blame them. Because you are going to hear in the next week when the combine happens of a lot of teams are going to go to active players on their t- on their roster right now that are under contract and will go to player X. Let's just say he's, I'm just going to pick a guard who's making $7 million and go, listen, we will cut you for no cost or you can take that $7 million salary and put it down to three and a half and you can stay on our team. And if that player is comfortable with doing that because he likes playing for that coach, he's in a good situation, he'll say yes. If his agent goes, you know, actually, I think we can get you more on the open market. We can get you a multi-year deal. We're not going to take a pay cut. We're going to call your bluff. Cut us. Because ultimately, I bet the Colts go, you know, you're a $30-plus million dollar quarterback. How about you play this year for million? $15 million. And that $15 million bonus we we owe you in two weeks, how about you cut that thing down in half? How about we owe you $6 million? And his agent and his representation can either say, yeah, you know what? Frank believes in us. Chris Ballard traded for me. We'll do that for you. Or they can go, you know, cut me. Because I believe that someone will give me that $15 million that you're refusing to pay me. I think I can get that on the open market. I think right now it's more than just Jim Ursay being all hot and bothered and pissed off that his team didn't make the playoffs. And more that I think they're thinking like, you know, we're not going to do any better than this. How are they going to upgrade on Carson Wentz? They do not have the first round pick because the Eagles have it because of the trade. It was a mistake. If they could do it over again, they would not have made that trade. But they did. And now they have this guy who is clearly not an ideal starting quarterback given how much he makes. But he's better than anything they can get. There aren't any... Google the free agents on the open market. How are they upgrading that position? Who are they... Okay, let's say they could trade him. Who are they getting? This is a, you know, potentially... It's hard to say because we'll look back in two or three years and go, actually, it was a pretty good quarterback draft. On paper, it is a terrible quarterback draft. (laughs) God-awful. I mean, in pre-quarterback inflation, there might be one guy that would go in the second round. Instead, they'll end up, you know, three guys will go in the top 40 picks, and two of them will probably be below average. (laughs) Just the way it works. I think the Colts want this guy to take a pay cut, as they should. And they're just going to have to, we'll see if their tactics of going public, going through the national media. Now, you could argue if you watch Chris Ballard, when he gave the goodbye press conference, he kind of crushed him. But really, when he says he crushes him, this is where I struggle with it. It's like he crushed him because he says he doesn't make layup throws. He doesn't make the layup throws. We, we all saw it. This is no longer 1987 where you can say one thing publicly and like, no, we all have all direct TV. We watch all the games. We can watch every snap the guy plays. You you can't, you know, tell me he's a great thrower of the football when he can't throw. You can't tell me he's a great three point shooter when he doesn't shoot three points. You can't tell me this guy has home run power when he hits two home runs a year. You you can't lie to the fans anymore. So I, I never actually have that big of an issue with people being honest publicly But players do sometimes. Like, clearly, Kyler's all up in his feelings. Though, it's like, well, Kyler, you were terrible. So you're mad that the team put it on you? You were bad. Who are the team supposed to put it on? Like, A.J. Green? They're supposed to blame J.J. Watt? Like, we watched you play, you know, 28 million people on that Monday night football game, and you were the worst player for any starting quarterback in the playoffs, beside maybe the Tannehill performance. But Tannehill got shit on So it's just, it's part of the territory. Now, this is also part of the territory when you're a quarterback. Quarterbacks take a lot of heat, right or wrong. It's the reason they make all the money. You notice who we don't give that much heat to? Like the random right tackle. Because he might make $4 million. He's easily replaceable. Once I start paying you $30, $35, $40 million, there's a reason Dak takes a lot of arrows. Makes $40 million a year. There's a reason Derek Carr over the years with the Raiders, despite their dysfunction, and it's been high, has taken a lot of crap. they paid him $120 million since the last, since like four years ago. $120 million. Give him a lot of cash. So when you make all the money, you get all the heat. And I think the Colts want at least to go into this season and potentially, you know, incentivize his contract. Change some things. And, and we'll see if that takes place. I, I think they're about to get to a stalemate. <laughs> couple things on the leak. You know, when I... I I never thought this when I worked for the team. Just because, you know, I I worked for the GM. You know, once I worked in radio, there was a huge line of delineation between, like, the suits and the talent. Now, when I... I guess I worked in the NFL, I didn't view myself as the talent. Like, that was the players. I, I was part, I guess, of the suits. Even though we just wore, like, khakis and a collar shirt to work. But, like, in radio, there was a clear, like, the bosses... And then the people talking, and it was I, I was out of touch with a lot of their decisions. You would disagree with uh, most, you wouldn't understand, and then they'd get mad at you for things. It was hard to be on the same page because they were doing all the selling, and you were just told to produce. And then once I've got went in the podcast business, I saw it all because I had to sell. If I didn't sell, I didn't make any money. So I basically became the suit and the actual product, right? So you, I understood both sides. And when I was growing up, uh, he's still a good buddy of mine now. My buddy's dad became the CEO of a big health company in uh, in California. And he ultimately became the highest level suit, right? He was making millions of dollars. It was all public information. But he started as like an intern when he graduated UC Davis. He was a football player there. And he got into the job in like the 1980s and worked his way up, his way up health administration. Now, he never was a doctor. So ultimately, when you're the CEO of, you know, a a major company, there are two of them in in Northern California, there's Sutter Health and uh, there's one other one. And. He had a unique perspective because a lot of his family members growing up became doctors. And for whatever reason, I remember it, what, he had bad eyesight or something. He couldn't become a doctor. So he just was kind of forced to get into health administration. But he knew every single thing about the business because he worked his way up. He worked his way up from a nothing, a nobody intern, all the way up to eventually became CFO. And then when the CEO job came, it was between him and a couple guys and he got the job. It was, it was a really big deal. So he knew every single element of, Of the business. So when he was in these big decisions, which obviously health companies often are, he could understand every single person in his company because he had held a lot of those jobs beside being a doctor, but all of his brothers were actual doctors. And I'm pretty sure his dad was a doctor too. So he's had a unique perspective. So sometimes when you hear about the suits, a lot of times people resent the guy at the top if he hasn't done the majority of the jobs that he's controlling. And sometimes when you see the NFL, like a huge beef that NFL people have with the league office is there aren't many people in the league office that have ever been a GM, that have ever been a scout, that have ever been a coach, yet those people are in charge of everything that you're acting on. There are a couple players like Troy Vincent, but now even he's 20 years removed, but they don't have any former GMs and they don't have any former coaches. It's why, you know, it was a big deal when John Madden died, Roger Goodell used to obviously get him involved to like head some committees because he wanted some of these coaches on these committees. But the reality is, is their job in the league office, we'll get into Roger Goodell in a second, is all about money. And it's all when really you're talking money, you're talking CYA covering your ass so you don't ever lose money. That term gets used a lot, CYA. Well, I think the number one thing for CYA in business is to cover your ass so you do not get sued. Here's what's clear, is the Combine's going to a bubble. The NFL does not give a shit about COVID, about uh, the Omicron, about vaccines anymore. They do not care. They stop testing in the playoffs. They can't even pretend to care. Testing went away. Notice in the NBA, no more testing. None of these leagues care. But they obviously want to CYA cover themselves in certain areas where they feel they're not covered. Well, they are on the same page as the players' union. So when they stopped testing, the players' union obviously gave them the thumbs up. Well, there is no players' union for the players that aren't in the NFL yet. So I think the NFL, they ain't worried about some Omicron outbreak in Indy because they have forced all these players to go into a bubble, which to me is moronic, stupid, and makes no sense. I would understand if you told me operate completely as normal as you did 2019 and before. And all you have to do is when you show up, you get one of those tests in your nose. And uh, if, you're, if you're negative, you move on. If you're positive, then I don't know. I, I wouldn't even know what to do. That's above my pay grade. You send them home, <laughs> you know, it's not ideal. Make, make a mask up, walk around. I don't know. But putting them in a bubble at this point, I live in California. We've literally dropped everything. It's February 21st in California. By far, there's been the strictest state of any in America. I know for a fact, Indy, they don't care. So the league doing this to me is very, very out of touch. But it also makes sense because the league truly doesn't care. Roger Goodell has no clue truly what happens at the combine. Besides, like, are some workouts on the field. There's some interviews, some medical. He couldn't walk you through a day-by-day breakdown of what an assistant general manager does. Or what the offensive coordinator... He has no clue. And in fairness, he doesn't really care about that. But it's a huge reason this disconnect between the the league and a lot of people that run teams. Because they go, this guy doesn't fucking understand what we're doing. Now, it's clear you don't need to be a former GM or former head coach to be a good commissioner. Roger Goodell is a fantastic commissioner. He is renegotiating his deal right now. You could argue... I mean, what has happened under his watch has been complete and utter domination. The three biggest sports in America. One, two of them are NFL related. One's the NFL, the second's college football, and the third is the NFL draft. And number one, the NFL is in a completely different stratosphere than college football, which is way bigger than baseball and basketball. And I got news for you. The PGA Tour two weeks ago, same number as Golden State Warriors against the LA Lakers, the NBA's two biggest brands. So waste management, same number, As the NBA. So is golf just as big as the NBA? That's their two biggest brands Saturday night. Well, Adam Silver, if you look at Twitter, every single person in the media loves Adam Silver. He's super nice. I think he has been historically terrible. On his watch, the NBA has precipitously falling off a cliff in terms of interest. It's not even close. Because you know why? David Stern... When he was the NBA commissioner, they dominated. But you know who didn't like him? The media. You know who doesn't like Roger Goodell? The media. You know why? Because let's face, what does he stand for? Revenue, big business. What does Adam Silver feel like he stands for? Politics. Super nice guy. Pro player. Of course, the media is going to like that. That's like it like represents them. He plays right to them. Yet on his watch, the league is falling apart. He got so much credit a week ago for saying like. This New York mandate for Kyrie Irving is so stupid. Yeah, no shit, Adam. We all thought that six months ago. You just didn't have the balls to say it. David Stern would have had that bad boy lifted. Roger probably would have too, and the media would have freaked out, even though now all the media is saying, God, this is really stupid. Well, yeah, it's easy to say that now. Where was everyone six months ago? It never made any sense. It also happened to me in the Bay Area with Andrew Wiggins. We have the same rule. Two cities in America, same rules. Make no sense. The out-of-town player can play without a vaccine, yet the player on the home team is not allowed to play. How could anyone say that out loud, whether it's today or whether it's a year ago, and that makes any sense? It can't. It doesn't. But Adam Silver wouldn't say that because on Twitter, that wasn't cool to say six months ago. Yet it's cool to say now, so he did it. When you govern like that, you're in trouble. Roger Goodell doesn't govern like that. Now, he's not perfect, but he's going to get a contract extension. The media doesn't like him. He should be applauded because on his watch, whether he deserves all the credit or not, the league prints money. And the reason that some of these coaches get mad at him, listen, I understand like Bill Belichick or guys can get mad at him, especially this week for the combine. But the reason Bill Belichick makes $25 million a year and not three is because the league is doing the numbers in which they're doing with revenue. So when you look at the combine this year and this bubble, it is beyond stupid. It's beyond moronic. And the reason is because the suits, the NFL people, don't understand what actually happens at the combine. They're just trying to cover their ass. Even though when you logically take a step back, you go, how does this make any sense? You guys didn't test for the last month of the NFL playoffs. You 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 guys admitted you actually didn't give a shit, as you shouldn't have. We've all moved on. Yet you're going to make these players, the, these college players coming in that are just trying to get medically checked and go to these interviews, and now they're threatening to boycott the on-the-field workout, which is smart. Which is very smart. Because the one way the NFL makes money off this is through the NFL Network. And that's a lot of their program is on the field. Now, I think ultimately they'll maybe drop the bubble. We'll see. I would imagine Roger's is going to start calling some GMs and coaches this week to figure out what actually happens at the Combine. Because, listen, for as great of a commissioner he is, and I would give him a huge extension. He makes $50, $60 million a year. He's worth every penny. The amount of money he's made, these owners, the coaches, and the players, everyone in the NFL is printing money. Every single person. Position coaches. A wide receiver coach makes four hundred fifty dollars Right? The offensive line coach makes a million dollars. A random right guard makes $4, or 5000000 million. Everyone's printing cash. And it starts with the growth of the NFL. But still, sometimes the suits, you know, because there's a huge disconnect, does things like this weekend and creates problems. Okay, we had breaking news after I recorded that. I recorded this middle of the day on Monday. So before I sent this in to my people, Adam Schefter had a tweet that they've uh, they've gotten rid of the bubble and the bubble no longer exists. So I, I didn't want to delete my rant on the suits because I believe everything I just said. But here's also why I give Roger Goodell and the suits credit in the NFL. They will pivot at any moment's notice. They will not hold on to things long. Boom, something's wrong, they change it. This, the bubble, moronic, changed. So while they make some dumb decisions, which clearly they did with the bubble, this is also why the NFL dominates. They, they can hang a left, the blink of an eye. They're, they're not beholden or holding on to anything. And it's, it's actually the NFL's greatest strength. Now, maybe they just, you know, put this out there I don't even know why. Maybe it truly was just a CYA move. Maybe they truly believed it. But ultimately, they got rid of it. Because like I said, they did not actually care. They do not care. As you saw with the testing going out the window, this was never about COVID. This was about a CYA move, which they got feedback, this is not going to work. And ultimately, the feedback was going to impact the television product because the workouts. And now... Everyone will work out and we'll all watch NFL Network during the combine and watch guys run around in shorts and t-shirts. Are you looking for the hottest gambling advice out there? Check out the Moneyline Monaco podcast powered by FanDuel. Every weekday, our guy Alex Monaco will give you his best bets, including game picks, props, same game parlays, and much more. Monaco is in another groove and has won nearly 60% of his bets all time. So don't miss your chance to make some money by downloading the Moneyline Monaco wherever you get your podcast, only on the Volumes Podcast Network.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers.
2: Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. And then last but not least, let me say that I think Bill Belichick is the best coach in the history of the league. I think he's the best coach I've ever seen any sport. I think he is elite. But I do think, and I'm not an ageist. I've said before, I don't care that McVay and Shanahan were young. They had unique experience. I don't care, you know, when Bruce Arians and Mike Zimmer were hired in their 60s, you know, it was clear that they had been overlooked for years. We we can get age wrong on both sides. But I do think when you hit a certain age, even in coaching, and in coaching, you're lucky because you're around young people, I think it naturally keeps you young. Like I, you know, I'm 37 years old. I haven't had kids yet. I haven't met the person I'm gonna have kids with yet. So I mean, there's a decent chance that my first kid pops out at like 40, 41, 42 years old. So you know, potentially in my 50s, I'll have a teenager, which I'm already okay with. They'll keep me young. I need that youth that that exuberance every day. Like, you know, I'm hopefully make enough money if I need to get an no pair or whatever cuz I like doing my own thing. I'm not going to be a, you know, a Disneyland dad or anything, but you know, it's, I'm going to spend a lot of time in my 50s around children. Definitely probably teens. where some of my friends, you know, by the time their kids are teenagers, they'll be in their early 40s. But I'm already thinking as a podcaster and someone that talks for a living, it's going to give me good perspective. It'll keep me young, kind of like a coach. And uh, I'm cool with it. I'm actually fine with it. it. It'll keep me, make me stay in shape, make me keep energy. And I, I don't have a choice. <laughs> you know? Uh, but clearly Belichick gets a lot of shit for, you know, he's seven years old. But he understands young people, clearly. He just won 10 games in the NFL. But he does kind of have a weak spot now. Is forever, he was able to kind of recreate the star coaches, Like, he had his initial crew that he brought with him to Cleveland. He had spotted all these guys, right? Nick Saban, Pat Hill, Kirk Ferentz, Eric Mangini, Scott Pioli. He had a crew of guys that then he parlayed when he first got to New England and added the Dayballs, the Josh McDaniels, added Flores, Patricia, and and all these guys. And he had reinforcements. So when his crew left, Mangini, Weiss, and uh, who was it, Romeo... He had guys waiting in the wings, right? Josh McDaniels, uh, obviously he reloaded with Brian, uh, Bill O'Brien. Brian Dayball was an up-and-comer for him. Then Brian Flores and Matt Patricia, he had dudes. Casario when Pioli left. I think he's run out. And I think it's a little bit of a problem. And I also think it reflects the guys that are coming back. Like Ultimately, Joe Judge just had to run back to Bill Belichick to go coach quarterbacks. Like, that's not ideal. Now, you could argue, because I've said before, Joe, you need to learn how to call offense. And who's going to let Joe Judge potentially call offense? Nobody beside Bill Belichick. But did nobody else want Joe Judge? Like, did Joe Judge not have any other options? Did he have to go back to Bill Belichick? Like, even Josh McDaniels, when he was ultimately fired by the Denver Broncos, went to St. Louis before he came back to New England. Matt Patricia was unhirable. Nobody would touch Matt Patricia with a 10-foot pole. They had to go back to Bill Belichick. Like, that's not ideal. Even Josh, like, Josh has really only had success with Bill. So it does feel a little bit like Bill didn't have this next crew of guys coming up, which is, again, somewhat understandable. It would be hard to have dude after dude after dude eventually like the draft, you're going to miss on some young coaches. You're going to miss on some young personnel people. And people just leave you in the NFL. And some people left Bill and never had to come back. Jason Light never had to come back. Hell, even Bill O'Brien, like, got a head job and then he went to Nick Saban, did not have to come back. Casario, we'll see, but, you know, who knows? Some of these guys do not have to go back. And you know, it's when I see that Joe Judge is going back, I know Joe Judge has to go back because he's desperate. No one else will touch him. Matt Patricia had to transition into be his next Ernie Adams. Like I, I just wonder if Bill, who still at this point is elite at his job, that performance he had against Sean McDermott and Josh Allen in Buffalo on Monday Night Football is one of the highlights of the schematic X's nose. NFL 2022 season. But I'm starting to wonder like, is he losing his fastball with the people around him? And it's just as simple as like, you know, Tom's not there anymore. Are the best and the brightest want to hits their wagon to someone that is just miserable 24 seven, who's also 70 years old. What if I was a 25 year old and I was some up and coming offensive guy and I just wanted to break in the NFL. Would I call Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay Or I call Bill, Bill Belichick? I might. Maybe his John Carroll connection has just kind of run out because it does feel like the Belichick train of of coaching and just quality people around him is running out of steam, and that more than Tom Brady leaving him might kind of be the end of the Patriot reign. I think for the Middlecoff Mailbag, what I'm going to do, I'm going to need some more Mailbag questions. So if you, if you got a question at John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those. I'm going to save those probably for the weekend Uh, just because I only have a couple and I don't really want to waste them yet because I was going to use them for Fridays, which I've now pushed to the weekend. So the weekend mailbag comes out now, at least for the uh, foreseeable, you know, in the next couple weeks, we'll see when things pick back up. Uh, Maybe we'll just go back to mailbags on on every show. It's much easier in the regular season. There's a lot more going on. I just, I got to spread out my content a little bit. So Probably no mailbag right here, but I didn't want to hit on one thing. Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out today that basically this draft at the top is not very good in the sense of he has no clue who's going to be picked and when. And usually that's a telltale sign. Like last year, we knew a group of six, seven guys beside Trevor Lawrence, in some order, they were going to go two to nine, right? And it was off a little bit, but looking back, last year's draft was elite. And I said today that if it was like 1970s in the NBA, remember Larry Bird was on the Celtics while he was still in college. The NBA, you could draft people who are still going to be in college. That, that Can you imagine if you could do that right now? Because if you could, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson would for sure, even in a non-quarterback draft, 100% unequivocally, Will Anderson and Alabama would be the number one pick in this draft. It'd be him and then a wide gap before the tackle at Bama, before the defensive lineman at Michigan, before Thibodeau, who I think is going to be very, very polarizing as we get closer to the draft. But this draft, and listen, at the time, it doesn't matter. We might look back four or five years and go, that was a really good draft. Or we might go, actually, it wasn't a great draft. But as of right now, based on these prospects, from people I've talked to in the NFL, from just You just watch, you know, Daniel Jeremiah. Clearly, there are no quarterbacks. When there are no elite quarterbacks in the draft, your draft's not that great because the most important position is quarterbacks. So, like, if if you don't have many NBA All-Stars in your NBA draft, your draft's not very good. Just, Just the reality. And I would say most seasons, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. In years before quarterback inflation, there's probably not a quarterback in this draft that would go in the first round. If this was 2004, most of these quarterbacks would go in like the third round, fourth round. That was normal, you know, unless you were a big time prospect, which none of these guys are. And There's nothing wrong with that. I, I used to get offended and I still kind of do when it's like, this guy fell in the draft. He went pick 38. Now falling in the draft is going in like the fifth round. If you get drafted early on in the second round, you get to say the rest of your life, I was an early second round pick. That's pretty, you're a pretty talented guy. You know, there are only so many guys. There are only so many teams. There are only so many positions, right? Not everyone needs a wide receiver. So if you're the fourth wide receiver on the off the board, now you can be mad that you were the fourth wide receiver off the board. But if you go pick 37, that doesn't mean people thought you were sucked. Maybe half the teams in the league didn't need a wide receiver. It was a lineman-heavy draft, and you just got pushed down the board. When you get drafted in the second round, people still think you are good. So this draft, to me, lacks some star power. Last year's draft is as good as it gets. I think next year's draft, given how many quarterbacks are gonna be, good as it gets. A draft is as powerful in terms of you know talking points and the importance as its quarterbacks. Just a fact. And you could argue even the wide receivers too, like Jamar Chase, Waddle, Devontae Smith added some juice. You know the crazy thing looking back on last year's draft? Is that I think Micah Parsons was kind of flying under the radar. Now he still went whatever tenth, eleventh, was it tenth, eleventh? Uh, would have been tenth because the Cowboys traded with the Giants, who traded back to twelve, and then traded to twenty. Uh, was it eleven? I, I forget now because Justin Fields went eleven, then Devontae, or maybe they traded with the Eagles. That that was it, and the Eagles got then Devontae at twelve. Regardless, like, th- can you imagine Micah Parsons mm-hmm. in this draft? And also part of it was. They had several guys in that class, Panay Sewell, Chase, Parsons, who didn't play. Pretty sure all the top guys this year played. So when you're out of sight, out of mind, you know, like if you could do it over again. I got one for you. I love Kyle Pitts. Who doesn't? Loved him at Florida. But he played last year, so he was awesome. Well, what if Jamar Chase had also played? Is taking Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase the right choice? Because I would say through year one, that's not the right choice. The chance that Kyle Pitts is as good as Jamar Chase, I would say is not probable. And that doesn't mean that Kyle Pitts can't be an awesome player. He's really good. Jamar Chase looks like he's going to walk right into the Hall of Fame. Maybe Kyle Pitts will too. But it's going to be hard for Jamar Chase. Now, obviously, who your quarterback is matters. But would Kyle Pitts has been as good as Jamar Chase if I put Kyle Pitts with the Bengals? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say no, because I'm not, again, I'm not a Kyle Pitts hater. But this draft, it's going to be very, very fascinating. One guy I'm telling you is going to rise on the board, and this is a position typically that does not go that high, but this guy's going to go in the top six or seven picks, is going to be Kyle Hamilton. Uh, He has a podcast for Colin Coward, and he also is sweet at football. He's tall, he can run, he can hit, and he can make plays on the ball. And I know that middle linebackers and safeties, you know, get shoved down the board sometimes. I guess middle linebackers, you know, Devin White a couple years ago went really high. Keekly went eight. They've gone higher than safeties. But if you think a safety can be a Hall of Fame safety, especially now in the hybrid guys, you're covering tight ends, you're covering running backs out of the backfield, you're doing a lot, you blitz, you're in the box, I can move you all over the place. I can play you like a pseudo linebacker. If you think Kyle Pitts is a Hall of Famer, I'd take him in the top five. Over, you know, trying to force like, I kind of like this offensive tackle and I'm pro taking offensive lineman high, but it sure doesn't feel like Tyron Smith's in this draft. Sure doesn't feel like Trent Williams in this draft or Lane Johnson in this draft could be wrong, but I don't know, man, this, this draft is going to be very, very fascinating. We're going to learn a lot about it over the next couple weeks of the combine, the testing, you know, stories just come out, you know, people start drinking cocktails, start telling you what they think about these players. So. Slide up into those DMs at John Middlecoff. We'll do the Middlecoff mailbag a little bit later for the weekend, at least these next couple weeks, uh, to stretch out a little content, a little inside the pod. And uh, and yeah, we'll have GoloPod. Follow that on Instagram as well. If you like golf, at GoloPod. We'll have that, and we will have a golf pod for Wednesday, and we'll just keep rocking and rolling. Adios. May the peace be with you. Godspeed. See ya.
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the
1: ones who get it done.